This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c I have a four-month-old baby, and I have a three-year-old, and my three-year-old's been sleep-trained since she was seven months old, so I want to sleep-train my four-month-old. However, they have to share a room, so I'm just not sure what my options are or the best practice for sleep-training an infant that will share a room with a toddler. Hello and welcome back to the show. I am Dr. Mona and I am always so happy to have you all tune in each and every week. This podcast continues to grow because of you, your reviews and ratings, and it means so much to me. As I've already announced, I am expecting baby number two. So I am recording so many episodes to prepare for when I am enjoying postpartum time. So I cannot wait to release these episodes for you. Make sure you get on our newsletter if you have a question for me. And that's how we send out the form to invite parents on this podcast. On this episode, I welcome Allison, a mom from the Peds Doc Talk community. And she wanted to talk about a concern she had that she couldn't find on any of the paid resources she bought or online. She wanted to know what she does when she has to sleep train a younger sibling in the same room as an older toddler who's three years old? A very good question, one that I've approached with many families across my training and experience. So I wanted to share that with you. So make sure you tune in for the entire conversation. Hey, Allison, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. So tell me, what is on your mind today as a mom? Hi, Dr. Mona. Thank you so much for having me. So on my mind is I have a four-month-old baby mm-hmm. and I have a three-year-old and my three-year-old's been sleep-trained since she was seven months old. So I want to sleep-train my four-month-old. However, they have to share a room. So mm-hmm. I'm just not sure what my options are or the best practice for sleep-training an infant that will share a room with a toddler. Oh, very good question. And a nuanced question, which I think a lot of parents may not ever find themselves in, but you may like I relate to this so much because, yes, I respect that you all chose to sleep train and the younger one. We'll talk about what method you chose for the older, but the younger one waking up the older one, vice versa. I get that that's a reality that you didn't have to deal with with your three year old. Right. <laughs> so um, just to kind of ask, you're choosing to share because of housing setup, right? Right. So we currently have a two bedroom. We want to, of course, get a bigger house, but yep. we live in California where the market is um, a little bit stressful right now. Oh my, so I understand. They can have their own room, then it would be easy. But for now, we just don't have that option. 
Well, thanks for bringing that up because I think it's important for people. Sometimes people don't understand situations like they're like, well, why don't you get a house or why don't you do this? It's like, well, sometimes we don't have an alternative and it doesn't mean it's forever. And I relate to that too. An example I like to use is I have some families who come into my office who live in like three story townhouses with small children and having a lot of stairs in a house with small kids. Some people are like, I would never, but that's what's available, right? So right. your situation is that you have a two bedroom and you can make this work. I like to remind my listeners that I used to practice in New York City where everybody lived in like two room, maybe three room homes and multiple children. And this is possible, but we have to talk about some things to consider, rooming, all of that, which we'll get into. So with yeah. your older daughter, correct? Is it the older yes. one's a daughter? Yep. Yes. You said she sleep trained at seven months and you had to do yes. some actual training. You did like a yes. cry method, I understand. Yes. I purchased one of the sleep training online courses mm-hmm. and I also had a book and then we did do the cried out, but in intervals, but longer intervals because it was really hard for me. So I kind of put headphones in and try to like do something else and then like really yeah. go back in when she needed me. Wonderful. Well, I like to hear what you did. And do you plan on doing a similar strategy for your younger when it's time? Yes. Okay. And right now your younger child's four months old. What's the longest stretch of sleep that you're seeing at night? Most nights, most nights you can sleep from about nine to like five or six. Um, Sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little shorter, but on average that is, is nighttime routine. Okay. That's actually a really decent stretch for a four month old. I think that's great. And this episode is not going over how to sleep train in terms of like um, the methods. I have that in my course, everyone who's listening, or I have other podcasts that have little bits here and there, but that is something if you want the different methods available, you can listen to that or get that resource. But we're chatting about the room sharing aspect. Yes. Cause I looked back on my sleep training course that I purchased and they don't talk about this at all. They say like with multiples, but meaning oh, twins, yeah. but not with people different right. ages and looking online, I can't really find that much information about it. Yeah. And I think it's one of those topics in parenting that people don't really have online. Like I've always said that with parenting, it's impossible to create one resource like whether it's a paid resource or a podcast or whatever that talks about every nuanced subject in parenting. So that's why I love having you all come on the show because we get to talk about these little moments. This is actually a big deal for us because we don't know what to do. And I never read about it. So I love that we're having this conversation. So we have your three-year-old also is sleeping through the night, which means that there's no intervention needed. She'll toss and turn, go back on her own. You're not having to go in, right? Awesome. Okay, good. Because if someone's listening to this and you have a child who's older and then you're trying to think about sleep training a younger, if your older is not sleeping, this is not going to work what I'm talking about. That's a whole different conversation. You would want to approach training or, you know, getting your older child to sleep and then possibly focusing on the younger. But in this situation with Allison, we have a three-year-old who sleeps. What time does she go to bed? 8.30. Okay, perfect. So between seven to nine is my happy spot for that age. Excellent. So we have a kid who's sleeping, which is great. So now for the younger one, some thoughts to consider, because if you're using any method, whether it's a more parent present method, a method that allows some crying and then we're going in, whatever method we're choosing, there is going to be some tears and pausing or some, you know, crying that we're doing. And maybe in some methods, a little bit more like we're discussing, which what you did with your daughter. So there is a reality that room sharing during the actual training process is not really feasible. 
when we're trying to get that four month old in those, you know, that whether it's a few days to a week or so, right. Sometimes it can take up to about a week to two weeks. How long did it take? Do you remember to train your three-year-old? I think seven maybe months. like four days. Okay. Yeah. And I, I want to normalize for everyone listening that the range of being able to successfully train, and I'm putting that in air quotes, successfully train is when a child is able to sleep 10 to 12 hours without any intervention. So they go down and they sleep and you don't see them until the morning because even if they wake up between sleep cycles, They're putting themselves back down. There's no feedings happening. There's no rocking happening. It's all independent sleep. That's what we define as sleep trained. Okay. And so it's kind of important to kind of know the method that you did and also how many days that for some children, it can take three days, which is the lowest range that I see. For some children, it can take two weeks. I want to really normalize that. I can't predict even if you choose a method that's right for your son, I can't guarantee is this going to take three days or two weeks, but I like to put two weeks in our mindset. So we're not panicking when it's taking less and really respecting the fact that I'm going to stay consistent. Maybe it'll be three, four days, but what are we going to do? So an option I have for you, because I don't want your three-year-old to wake up with any sort of intervention, whether it's the crying of the infant or you going in, right? right, To do check-ins if you're doing that. So an idea here is, having the baby be trained in your room or another location. And obviously I think it's going to have to be your room because y'all have a two bedroom. If you had like a two bedroom and a office with like a sliding door, right. Then you could choose to have it be in the office. But right now your four month old is in the room with you and your partner, right? Yeah. So I think what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to train in the same room as you. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Oh my gosh, like if I do a cry method, How am I going to tolerate that? So some options are you kind of think of your method. You said you, I think for your older, sometimes you put like headphones on. Yeah, you can do headphones or even consider if you temporarily, while the training is going, you and your partner either sleep on like a mattress in the living room or a pullout or something else in another space. If it's too much for y'all with the method that Mm -hmm. you choose, this is so that we are training that child in one environment. So we're not switching them around. And hopefully it's going to be a very similar environment as the older child's room that you're going to be moving them into. So what I mean by that is if you blackout curtains, the temperature is very similar. That's really what I mean by the mm-hmm. environment. So it's somewhat mimicking the room that your child is going to be going into with the sibling. Okay. Do you use a white noise machine for your younger child? Sometimes. Okay. I know you said you did use it yes, for your older, still right? Uses it, yes. Yeah. And so an option here also is thinking about if you're going to continue using it for your older child when they start to room share, which actually may be beneficial in this situation, given that it's two children who, if they're lighter sleepers, the rustling of each other, like, you know, if the other one tosses and turns, farts in their sleep, (laughs) you know, like all the natural things that happen that children do, possibly considering training your four month old with a very low level white noise machine, if that's what you're planning on having in the environment in the other room. Yes, I think I would. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is to kind of mimic what environment that child will be in as close as possible. And I feel like because you have a white noise machine for your older, that it may be a reality that that's going to need to be continued. And eventually we may be able to wean that off as she gets older and as they get more accustomed to sharing a room together. But initially we may need that to help drown out the tossing and turning that your three-year-old is not used to hearing in the same room. Yep. 
Okay. Not a problem. Yeah. And you may need to go up on the volume of the sound machine. Remember that it should still be at a level that's not blaring to the ears, right? You want to make sure that it's like loud enough where she's kind of calm and sleeping, but not like where you can hear it outside the door, like at a loud, loud okay. level. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem-solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And so what you're going to focus on is training your younger child in the room, like your room, right? Because that's second bedroom, that way you can close the door and do your check-ins. Like I said, whatever method a family is choosing, you're going to continue to do that. When you are getting two to three nights of 
sleeping through the night, quote unquote, then we can consider moving that child in with the older sibling. And I would continue your sound machine. You can evenly place it kind of, you know, if you have one child's bed on one wall and then the crib on the other wall, putting it on like a nightstand or something in between the two sleep areas. So, you know, both of them can hear it. That would be something that I think would help with the transition of them being in the room together. That makes sense. Now, the other thing that I just want to talk about, which you probably, you know, it may come up is if there is a regression, just say there is, you have a sleep trained kid, especially the infant, there is a reality. There's going to be moments that they'll wake up or maybe the three-year-old will wake up at some point. You know, there's a reality with parenting. It's going to be much easier to explain to a three-year-old what's happening versus an infant. So if the infant wakes up in the middle of the night, like just as now saying that we've trained them, they're sleeping through the night, but now they're waking up. You're going to go in and you're going to take care of what you need to for the infant. If your older daughter does wake up and say, you know, mommy, what's going on? Or mommy, I need you. I want you to verbally reassure And very calmly, you're going to say, hi, sweetie. Yes, brother woke up. I'm going to take care of it. Um, You can go back to sleep. And if that means having to carry your younger while you like just console or pat the Mm -hmm. older one, that way she can go back down. Because you have a sleep trained three-year-old, it's actually a really good situation because there is a lot of ability to explain to a three-year-old, not like a long, elaborate thing, but reassure, right? I see you. Oh, you heard baby brother. I know your concern. Mommy will take care of it. Mommy hears him. I'll be back in a little bit. You don't have to worry about it. I'll be right there with him, right? So she's not feeling like if the baby starts to cry that she's responsible for that baby or having to do anything for that baby that you're going to come back in to check in on the baby. Do you envision that happening with your yeah, older? she thinks this is her baby. Yeah. So... So sweet. I'm nervous that she'll try to climb in the crib or like, you know, try to snuggle him or comfort him. So one thing I will say about that, and you said your older daughter is in like a a bed, right? Like not in a crib. So I think a lot of this is going to be when it's time to room share also, like just say you've gotten to the phase now that your four month old is sleeping through the night. Okay. The 10 to 12 hours. And now you're in the next step of having to move them into the same room together, talking to your three-year-old about how exciting this is that they're going to share a room, not like making this like a negative, right? Like, okay, so baby brother is going to move into your room with you because you can't just surprise her, right? Obviously there's going to be a crib. It's going to be a reality. And just asking her how she feels about it and telling her that, you know what, baby's going to come in there. If baby cries, mommy will come in and check up on baby and just setting the rules, setting the boundaries so that they understand that this is our new situation. And also that we're not blindsiding the three-year-old of like, Hey, guess what? You have a roommate now, you know, those will also be important in like that transitional phase when you finally train and now you're deciding, okay, I'm going to move them into the room together, chatting with the three-year-old about what's going to happen because the four-month-old doesn't need a debrief, but the three-year-old will in terms of what does this mean? Here's where we're going to put the crib. You're going to stay in your bed. Baby's going to be in this crib. You don't have to put the thought in the head. Like, don't say that. Just focus on like, okay, sweetie, stay in your bed. You know, this is where you stay. Sometimes when we start to say, don't, 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 don't jump in the crib. Don't do this. Subconsciously, they're like, oh, I can do that. And then they do it. Right. So focus on hey, sweetie, this is where you sleep. You sleep on this bed and this is where you're going to rest and this is where baby rests and we all have our own space. So that way she kind of gets into her head that, okay, this is where I sleep. And then also like if there is going to be some tears, which I imagine with, you know, babies do go through some regressions here and there. 
really reaffirming her that you don't have to do anything. Mommy hears it and mommy will come in when she hears it. You don't have to tell her like you'll be in right away or that, you know, but because sometimes you might leave like a pause or something before you go in, but just kind of affirming to her that, okay, we got this, you know, we'll take care of it. It's not your responsibility and thanking her for being such a good big sister and caring so much about the baby, which is so sweet. I get it. But I understand you're also concerned of like, I don't want her to be too in love and like, you know, try to help the baby and jump. I want to manage our expectations here that the training process is going to be there. But then when you start to do the room sharing idea here, there may be three to five days where you're going to watch on the monitor a little more, especially when there are wake ups. Like if you do hear a wake up or something like you may check on the monitor. If you don't have a monitor in that room anymore, I would add one because you do have an infant in there now just to see that the older child is in their bed, that the baby's in the crib. Obviously, they're not going to move, but that might be something that useful temporarily if you don't have that just so that you can visualize without having to go in. You know, yes, I still have a monitor in that room. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And I think that's going to be nice. Um, And then we already mentioned about the sound machine, like for your older daughter, when there is a transition there that you're going to move the baby, talking to her about going up on that machine a little bit and maybe doing that before the transition happens, right? Because that way it's an adjustment for her. So if you're going to go up a little bit on the decibel level, tell her like we're going to go up a little bit and then doing that like two days before the transition of room sharing happens. Okay. Yeah, I know. We went over a lot of stuff that I feel like also, again, you may not always hear about or in resources. Do you have any follow-up questions to the situation? Yes. So if I sleep train him in my bedroom, would it be beneficial Mm -hmm. if when it is time to transition him to the room, send her like to grandma's house for the weekend so he just has a day or two to get used to being in that room or just do it kind of all at once? Here's what I would say about that. It really is just a case by case basis. And what I would have you consider is maybe asking your daughter if she wants to do that. And if she's open to it, then okay. doing it. The thing is, I don't want the three year old to feel like this is some big production and I don't want it to be that you say, well, we're moving baby into your room. So while we do that, you're going to go to grandma. That's not what it should be. It can be this sort of, hey, do you want to go stay at grandma's house for the weekend? And then you would adjust the baby there. And then also letting her know that, hey, we're also going to have baby with you, right? Because we don't want to blindside her that she comes back from grandma's and there's all of a sudden a baby in the same room as her, Right. right? So I don't mind it if that's part of the excitement of it. Like you want to go to grandma's this weekend? Yeah, I love grandma. Okay. You're going to go to grandma. And then when you come back, you and baby brother are going to be in the same room and it's going to be so fun. And we're going to read stories together, making it like this fun thing versus a dreaded thing. But ask your three-year-old. I know it sounds like, you know, what can a three-year-old decide there? But if she's like, no, mommy, I stay with you guys. Like, I don't want to go. Then I wouldn't push it too much because I don't want her to feel like this big change is happening. And when I say big change, it may seem like not a big change for us, but having your own space and then having to add someone to it can seem like a big adjustment to a toddler. Not every toddler is going to feel like that, but just asking her and just laying out the rule here and the new setup so that she's aware. Yeah. And you're going to do this. And I'm hopeful that it's not going to take a long time. I like to manage expectations with my families here that I don't want us to say, oh, it's going to be done by this amount because I don't want us to feel disappointed or nervous if like the training takes a longer time or maybe their adjustment takes a longer time. But I know they're going to adjust. And I do like the age separation because I feel like a child who's older than three has some, not complete, but some level of developed cognitive understanding to understand a little more 
than a two-year-old or, you know, an 18 month old if they were close together, because you can kind of say and really build on her being an amazing big sister and not having her feel like she has to take the responsibility for that baby because these compassionate toddlers, man, like they really do feel like, oh, well, I want to do this. Like, I love my baby brother and I love this and stuff, but we want to just remind her that we love her and that she's doing great and that you will manage the baby. You know, you don't need her. Like she's great, but she can help when the baby's awake, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope that was helpful. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Thank you. And when do you think you'll plan on training the younger well, one? I'm still on maternity leave and I go back to work at the end of March. So I was hoping to spend mm-hmm. March working on this. Okay. So five months-ish, six months? Yes. Yeah. So I think that's a very smart idea for, again, um, going back to this conversation of you know parents deciding when and what makes sense logistically for their resources. Obviously, going back to work, training before then makes a lot of sense. And also just the setup of your home. But I'm really excited and I'll follow up with you on how things went or how they're going. Okay, great. Thank you. No problem. As you can see from our discussion, in parenting, it's not always possible to find an answer for every parenting situation you're going to find yourself in. I love having this platform because I can chat with you on all these questions that are very nuanced, these specific things that you're like, I swear someone else in the world is probably thinking of this too. But when you approach these situations, you have to think about your living arrangements. You have to think about your resources and say, here are some options. Here is what's best for my family. If you're listening to this episode, you may never want to sleep train. And that is amazing and reasonable. But for a family who may want to do that and as part of their parenting philosophy, I think it's appropriate having these conversations on how do you tackle this when there is a room sharing situation with a toddler and an infant. I hope you find these episodes useful. I love doing them for you. Again, if you found this episode helpful, make sure you share it on social media, tag me at Pete's Doc Talk and leave those reviews. I can't say it enough. Those reviews is how the podcast continues to grow. And I can't wait to chat with you all next time. Have you heard about the terrible twos or three-nagers? Yes, the toddler years can be tough. There is no denying that any phase of parenting can be really hard. There may be picky eating, tantrums, and struggles with potty training. But there is a lot of amazing things that you will see your toddler do during these years. I want you to enter the toddler years understanding toddler development and behavior so you can better approach tricky situations with your child. With resources on picky eating, potty training, tantrums, and other common toddler behavior like sleep refusal and toddler development, the toddler resources here at Peds Doc Talk aim to provide you with the knowledge you need to, dare I say, find some or a lot of enjoyment in the toddler years. For more on my on-demand courses, make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and check out resources for whatever you need. Have a friend? It also makes a perfect gift. Visit pedsdoctalk.com and click courses for more.